What is up, everybody? Welcome to the show. Welcome to I See Things a Little Differently. I am the Slow Chemical. Uh, we have, a, and, and if you didn't listen to my predictions episode, which dropped maybe a few hours ago, uh, as I record this is Tuesday night. Uh, this will be the Wednesday show this week, uh, just because I'm telling this story again in case people have not heard it. When I did my Bray Wyatt tribute the other day, um, I actually got the news of his death as I was driving. And I was in the middle of a conversation that was completely pointless, and I was already annoyed with that conversation. And to find it out from my cousin, it was pretty rough. So then all of a sudden, I get a message from someone who I haven't talked to in a while, uh, JT uh, from uh, Woo Radio. And it was a very nice uh, check-in, but also was very much needed in, in, from, from my spirit, because I was very much down. Um, so to have a, another uh, person just reach out, and, and I believe the message said, tough tough 24 hours for wrestling i was like yeah <laughs> you know and it was it was just good to, to, to have a few moments uh, with someone that could appreciate um what what i was going through as well and what other people millions of people were going through um and he asked to come on the show and I, to celebrate he said the key word there was he said celebrate and i said you know that is a great idea like it's we can mourn but it's probably more important to celebrate these these men and the, the contributions that they uh, had uh, and still will have in their in their time away. So, uh, JT, how are you today? Man, I'm great, man. I'm doing good. It's, it's an honor, man, to be on and, and celebrate these two individuals that left um, legacy years apart from one another. But, man, the impact, definitely significant. Yeah, and and and. and <sighs> And, I, and that's something I said before is when you said the word celebrate, the reason why it resonated so much with me is because I'm from Louisiana. Yes, we do more, but we also celebrate. We second line. We we party because we know that they're, the people we have lost are still partying and still having a great time. Um, and so, like, when you said that, that when, I, when I tell you, JT, the impact, and I'm trying to be corny right now, but legit, I, I once you said celebrate, it just, I was still mourning, but it's just something that said, he's right. These two men had a very powerful impact, and uh, two of my all-time favorites. And I don't know, you know who to start with. So you know who I'm. You know what? I'm, I'm gonna start with the man who had six decades in the wrestling business. This man wrestled everyone from Lou Fez to CM Punk. I, let's start with Terry Funk. What are your favorite memories of the Funker, and what is your favorite match of his? That if you have one. But I'm going to tell you, my, my greatest memory of Terry Funk, just I knew every time that he was in action, he was going to get 110% out of this dude. Hmm. And it, you never could count him out. And I watched him, you know what I'm saying, a lot online when he wasn't on mainstream companies. And a lot of, I watched him a lot when he was in WWF, WWE, NWA, as well as um, his stints in ECW, which there was some classic matches there. Um, the one match that always stick out for me is the one with uh, where he attacked Ric Flair and power drive him on the table outside <laughs> of the ring. 
used to be a favorite of mine because that was classic Terry Funk. Funk. And it's what I'll most remember him for. He was unpredictable, and he was one of those guys that victory over him. You had to, you had to earn it. You know, what I'm saying you might bleed for for that victory, but you know, Terry Funk was a, a tough guy. Just remember, I'm just, just glad that I had an opportunity to see him, and even when he tagged with his brother Dory, um, it was you know they had some classic tag team matches, and it just you know <clears throat> when I think about it, even the older version of Terry Funk. And one of the last promos that I seen him cut, which is on an indie show before Bully Ray was spinning the wrestle, was still that guy. It was to my to my spine and I was like, Man, look at him. I mean it don't make no sense, but he's just born and he was ate up with skill set to be an entertainer but a professional wrestler and he's one of the guys that set the standard for me and I also say one of the best views that I think Terry Funk ever had was the one with Dusty Rhodes. It was just ongoing, ongoing, and ongoing. It's funny you say that because that's something I brought up in my Terry Funk tribute was as you look at as he got older, he didn't see old he didn't see him being older as a flaw. He saw it as, oh, I can just do this now. I could change I can I can evolve my style and make it to this now. And he went from that's why that's why I had to make it clear because someone asked me in my DMs was my favorite Terry Funk moment, and I said it's hard because I remember I, I I saw it was grainy footage when I saw it, but it was like when I saw the grainy footage of him wrestling Luthez, it was a it was like a Matt classic, right? And then you look yeah. at what he ended up doing. To me, Terry Funk without Terry Funk, there is no ECW. He gave ECW credibility. Um, without Terry Funk, I, Ric Flair already had credibility. I want to make this clear, but. He, sh- he helped show that Ric Flair had a, 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 a toughness in him with having that I quit match and pile driving him through the table and like things that Ric Flair just was not doing. You know, he was having these classics with Ricky Steamboat and everything like that. But what, what, as you said, you're going to win. You're going to bleed for that win, that victory, you know, and my fondest moment of him, moments of him is for ECW because he didn't have to do any of that stuff for that company. And. This guy had a three-way dance with this is this is when it was still Eastern Championship Wrestling. It was him, it was Shane Douglas, and it was Sabu. And these three guys went an hour long to to it was supposed to be for the Eastern Championship title. Uh, it went to a draw, and that's really where that skyrocketed Shane Douglas, who doesn't get the credit he deserves as a wrestler in my opinion. But um, I remember after that, Shane Douglas cut this promo. And he was saying like how he he put the, he put down the Funk family. He he started just running down everything, and the, the match was just so good. But then to give even more of himself to that company and wrestle two matches back to back in the same night on their very first pay per view, and, and to when he won the ECW championship from Raven, I don't care what anyone says. They said, "Oh, Terry Funk won the title." Or I got to watch this now. There's something there's something that's different with this company. Terry Funk is there wrestling. Uh, people might saw it as a bingo hall, but he gave credibility everywhere he went. Even I was just watching earlier today, JT. I was watching um, on Hulu, uh, uh, Dark Side of the Ring, the episode about FMW where they brought him in, and and the moment he had, which was one of the greatest moments of all time. Where Onita and him are in a barbed wire death match, and Onita wins, and Onita's leaving, and as Onita's leaving, all the crowd is pointing to the ring, saying, "Hey, the time is still going down, and Terry Funk is still knocked out." Onita, after pinning him in one of the most, in one of the best 
babyface moments, storytelling moments in wrestling history. Jumps in the ring. He's trying to wake Terry Funk up. He can't wake him up. Finally, the crowd is counting down. Ten, nine. And Onita has no choice but to just cover him up. And then it just goes off. And he's protecting him after beating him. What a great moment. And Terry Funk just... Man, he knew how to make you feel, man. And hearing him, in, when, he, when he was in pain, JT, and you would hear him use the real wrestlers' names, it was always great. <laughs> yeah, it was, man. He, he just was on time. Like, the Terry Funk character was the real man. And he was a man's man. And it just, you know, even on, Bust, on Busted Open, he gave a, re- a very revealing interview about when him and some of those guys played on the West Texas um, football team. Just like, man, I was just in awe just listening to every word that he talked about. Being an athlete, and a lot, you know, it's not like he was, you know what I'm saying, abs and steel and this, that, and the other. Man, he was a tough son of a gun. That's what I loved about, you know, about Terry Funk. And some of those matches, man, that he had with Cactus Jack, hmm. the bar wire around the ring, and some of the things they put their body through. And God knows, there's some matches, man, that exist between him and Abdullah the Butcher. You talk about blood baths. That was my first, you know, some of my first, um, introductions to what a real, you know, uh, barn burner, what JR used to say, barn burner was, because them cats went at it with forks and cow prodders and all kind of things, man. Terry Funk just kept it, you know what I'm saying, real. He put his body through some rabbit stuff. And just, you know, his his labor and his sacrifice, his knowledge of, of the wrestling business, you know, to me, are the things that I will always celebrate about him. It's just... It's tough to think about, man, you know what? Somewhere in this world, you think that Terry Funk got a match somewhere, even in his 70s. Like, dude, hmm. you know, he was in presentation. And um, to physically ever meet him, to know that, because he's a part of, of my life and intertwined um, in my life, because I grew up watching him as an adult, I still had the opportunity and the honor to watch him wrestle in the ring. That, man, is, is something that I always remember and hold, um, you know, dear to my heart where it pertains to Terry Funk. And you know it's crazy? It's interesting, right? So I remember I, I, I had this phase maybe like eight, nine years ago. And I was watching a lot of shoot interviews uh, from wrestlers. And I remember like watching some of the interviews saying, man, these guys are lying. Like they didn't, like, are there, is their memories that bad? I remember like just saying that in my head. I never said this to anyone else. This is the first time I'm telling this story actually on this podcast. And I remember just like, even though I was still watching them and still enthralled by some of them, because some of them are just good storytellers, right? Like Jim Cornette is a great storyteller, you know? Um, and he also doesn't have that problem because he's a historian. He keeps everything. But when I heard other people, I remember I had, it was a shoot interview from AJ Styles where every time the guy asked him a question, it wasn't even like a question about personal problems. It was like a question about, hey, when you wrestled this person, this person, this person, how was it? I wrestled them. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, like, well, what's going on here, right? And I, fi- I found myself still very young and forgetting that I have had the pleasure of seeing some people wrestle and meeting some people. And one of the, and one of the things that when you, when you just said that, you know what that triggered for me? I completely forgot. I mean, someone asked me before, hey, who, who, have, who haven't you seen wrestle live that you wanted to see wrestle that, but you won't be able to see him wrestle anymore? And number one was always Macho Man Savage because he's my number one wrestler of all time. And number two was A. Guerrero. But then I think about it. The first pay-per-view I ever went to was at the MCI Center, formerly known as the MCI Center in Washington, D.C. It was SummerSlam 2005 where Eddie Guerrero fought Rey Mysterio in a ladder match for custody of Dominic Mysterio. And I always, for some reason, I forget that. But as I've traveled more and I've experienced more, I guess you do just forget about certain things and it takes something to trigger it. And 
even though I was never able to see Terry Funk live at a show, as you just said, the fact that I was able, I remember I ordered ECW One Night Stand 2006 for one reason. I needed to see if they were, if WWE was going to have the guts to put our, the, the WWE Championship on Rob Van Dam. I had to see it for myself. And low did I know I was going to get a barn burner, as you said, of a match between Tommy Dreamer, Terry Funk, Beulah McGillicuddy versus Mick Foley, Edge, and Lita. And those six people, holy crap on a cracker, they put themselves through war. And Terry Funk, in his 60s, was bleeding. He was stuck in barbed wire. He came back out. They had to tape. They had to put bandages over his one one eyeball. He looked absolutely ridiculous. He was he he, he was on fire. It was just like I didn't realize it at the time that I I didn't realize it in the moment that this what this dude is doing. He is by far, in my opinion, the most unselfish professional wrestler in history. And we've had some. We have Chris Jericho. We have The Rock, who were, there's legendary stories of these of these, of these guys. Um, I just told one the other day about how Rock, uh, I remember he was just in a production meeting, and Bruce Pritchard and a few other people told a story. And Undertaker had the championship, this is in 2002, and they're having this creative meeting, and they're saying, well, who, who's going to be the one to give Brock the belt? Because we have a feud lined up with The Undertaker afterwards. We don't want him to have the match now. And they had no idea who they are going to put it on, or who would even agree to be a transitional champion because Austin had just walked out of the company because he didn't want to put Lesnar over and Rock was just sitting there. He, they said drinking a Coke and said, I'll just do it. Who cares? It's, it's, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. And they said, you'll do it. He's like, yeah, sure. Why not put him over? And Rock did put him over, but Terry Funk, he's put over so many different people that he did. First of all, let's be real. No disrespect to Sandman, but he lost to Sandman. Sandman wasn't a wrestler. He was a brawler, right? He was like nothing like that. But Terry Funk was just, yeah. as you said, Terry Funk was just that good. And when you say stuff like you had the pleasure, it, it was truly a pleasure and an honor to watch him go. Um, so, yeah, man, I'm glad you, you're, you're triggering a lot of good things for me, man. Yeah, man, I'm just sitting here thinking. And he was the first person and the only person. Was it the line where we call um, Dusty Rose an egg-sucking duck? <laughs> he did call that. That's classic. <laughs> he did call that. Um, yeah, you had that moment. Um, you know another. You know another standout moment for me was when this fool he became Chainsaw Charlie. And I actually I did my research before uh, today before you got on. I didn't know where Chainsaw Charlie ever came from. It was it was the most random. I remember watching WWF at the time. It was ninety eight. The product couldn't have been any hotter. And I remember Cactus Jack was feuding with the New Age Outlaws. And it was for the tag team titles, but he was by himself. He needed a partner. And all of a sudden, this fool came out of a box with a stocking over his face and a chainsaw. I was like, why is Terry Funk in a... What's happening? And Why is he chainsaw? Apparently, Chainsaw Charlie was a, was based off a real-life friend of his. And so he wanted to pay homage and tribute to the guy. And apparently, when they were bringing him back to the company, Vince said, what do you want to do? He said, call me Chainsaw Charlie. Give me a chainsaw and let me go. And which is utterly ridiculous, but classic. <laughs> but classic. But one of the standout moments in that was when they blurred the lines. They, they took an ECW story. Let's just be real here. But uh, the outlaws put him, Cactus and Chainsaw, in a dumpster, and they uh, they they pushed him off the stage. And I remember, I'll never forget JR's commentary. The fans are going crazy. Outlaws just pushed him off. And JR says, what's so great about that? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you come back from commercial break, and all of a sudden, you have the entire locker room, baby faces and heels, 
yelling at the outlaws like you killed them what are you doing like we didn't mean to do it we were just having fun and they, they took that from an ecw story that happened a couple years before but it, it just worked here and i'm jr's commentary just was the chef's kiss on top of it but that was another standout moment for me for him just being as giving as he was to two people that two young men that he knew could make big money and he said i can make them i can make them and i can help them let me help them yeah, man, that was dope. I mean, that, that was who he was, man. I mean, he, there's so many stories, and I go back to a story I heard from Tommy Dreamer. Just, the man just reached out and just helped. He was willing to help teach and, and pour back into, you know, the wrestling business by pouring back into that generation that was up and coming. There's so many people that I've seen um, state just how much of an influence Terry Funk had on them, you know what I'm saying? Even if they didn't meet him, it's just his style and what he brought to the table. Just, <clears throat> it put something, it energized something in them. And so when I think about a lot of the times, like for me, and Terry Funk, I was like, shoot, that's a promotion within itself because mm. the guy was a brand all his own. So when he did, when you brought up, he did the Chainsaw Charlie thing, he just created a, a character. And look how over it was. Like, people were marking out, you know what I'm saying? And it was just amazing. And it was just no matter what the match was, the Jew was going to be thoroughly entertained. Win, lose, or draw. Terry Funk was going to bring it. You know, it's going to be on, man. And it's just, I can look back at those matches and smile. Because I remember the feeling and always feeling like, man, I'm so zoned in, I'm so locked in. You never know what this dude gonna be, do next, and but you was excited for what was coming next. And low key, I was rooting for him, even when he was bad guy. He was rooting for him because he was just, you know, that enormous. A lot of people talk about and um, the impact that it was a guy, his authentic Terry Funk. All of that, and then some that maybe didn't always get the the hoopla and the stream stuff, and he was that guy. It's actually interesting you say that. Terry Funk was once quoted as saying, I could have been a millionaire if I would have just stayed with one company, but I chose to do what I wanted to do. That is, you know what's funny? I remember, this might be a weird comparison, but follow me on this journey for a second, JT. I remember Kanye West, when he first came out, with college dropout, he had an interview with Sway. And he said when he was younger, his only goal was to make a million dollars and then retire. Because at the time, that was that was good money, right? And then he got into his car accident and he realized he needed to do more. He was meant to do more. That was kind of my mindset of just make enough to just survive and then just be left alone, right? And I remember I got into my own car accident, had my own trials and tribulations. I remember I met somebody, an older guy. He said, hey, look here, man. Even if you don't get mega rich, just do what you want to do. And I remember him saying that to me. And that's when I started pursuing my goals, pursuing my dreams. And the fact that Terry Funk did everything he wanted to do, that's one of the best legacies you can leave. This guy could have, he left a lot of money on the table. And people don't even know. And another thing about this guy, this man held the NWA World's Heavyweight Championship over 400 days. He was not meant to lose it when he lost it. He lost it, but he gave it up. Because he was off the road for so many days, he lost his wife due to being NWA World's Champion. His man's wife, uh, I believe they were in sixth grade, and that was his, that was the love of his life. And he lost her due to the NWA Championship. They want him to lo- they want him to keep it for another four hundred days, but she divorced him, and he went to her and said, "Hey, if I give this dang on belt up, can I come home or will you come home?" She said, "Yes." He gave the belt up. How many people at that time had that prestigious championship and gave it up 
to have a better home life. Not me, I can think of. Ric Flair has so many divorces. I'm not knocking them. They did what they yeah. felt was best to do. What I'm saying though is this man said this 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 is temporary. I want what's forever though. That's a hell of a legacy, man. Man, he he authentic as they come. And you said something very key. He done what he did it his way. It wasn't about the money for him. And so everything that came along with it only earned and did some because he did it because he had a passion for it. And it's a life lesson for those that are striving for goals and, and kind of straddling the line, man. This guy gave you the blueprint. Like you gotta put you gotta put your life street mm. because there's nobody else that's you know, that's made like you, that's gifted like you, and is gonna do the things that you're gonna do. So live it and be the living example. Walk it. He ain't just gotta talk about it. Be the living proof and that and that says a lot about him as a man and the character. You said, man, there's a lot of guys that would not have given that up because of the prestige, the glory and being all wrapped up in it, but Terry Funk never lost sight of who he was as a man. Understood the assignment, meaning that the temporary fame, he wasn't even wrapped up in all of that. It was about doing what he loved. But when it came down to making a decision that was going to be have a lifetime effect on his life, he chose what was going to make him happy in the long run. And a lot of times in his life, especially guys in the business, and God knows we know how much they were on the road at that time and how it was then. I mean, it's a different role now. You can you know, get stuff laid and laid, laid out in your contract and stuff. The Funker was in at the time, you know, they were still trying to discover exactly what and so it was at his pure foundation, a standard and a bar that he kept to. And he never changed up. He never changed up. And I think for me, that's why he'll always be, you know, popular in my book. For any Hall of Fame, for any Ring of Glories, or, uh, you know, Ring of Honor, the bar of how wrestling was supposed to go about. So speaking of doing it his way, uh, the next person we're going to celebrate here, I think, I think that was the perfect transition, is Wyndham Rotunda, uh, known as Bray Wyatt. And he comes from a another family. As Cody Rhodes' music says, Wrestling has more than one royal family. We just talked about the Funks. Now you have the Wyndham, uh, now you have the Rotunda family, which spans IRS, spans Barry Wyndham, who's the uncle. It spans Bo Dallas. It spans Bray Wyatt. It, it, it's, it's been around for forever. All enthralls the Four Horsemen legacy, the WCW Championship, the NWA World Championship, hour-long draw matches. The WWE Championship, the NXT Championship, the Tag Team Championship, the list of accolades can go on and on and on. And we unfortunately lost Bray Wyatt way too soon. And the reason this hit me hard is because we're the same age. Him and I are the same age. And as I said the other day in our tribute, my tribute show, I didn't even feel like Bray Wyatt was even out of first gear yet. I don't think he ever got out of first gear or left the parking lot. We had not touched on what he could have he already left an impact but what he could have done with those characters uh things could have been a bit differently you know um but what are your memories of bray wyatt when the rotunda bray wyatt oh man you, you're talking about once in a lifetime back and i looked at that's the bray what was up and i went back and looked at what i had you know, just on him just capturing through the years you're talking about Things shut down when you seen these cats live when the Wyatt family is in their primes the whole time. Bray Wyatt had the whole world in his hand. When I say it was deafening, see it live. TV had no 
thing on seeing him live. Spider Walk, just the pure what he brought and, and looking back on it. It's too, you would think that his career was longer than what it was because I went back to the original um, footage from when he first you know came into NXT and it was there. This man, he had the... Then you fast forward to his last interview, the last time that the public um, on TV and what he said in that last in the last time that he spoke and it sends chills in your spine because you understood that he was just scratching his and we had already accomplished and done a lot, like you said, in accolades, man. But what about that? That man had a passion. He knew it was a gifted individual. And he showed it every time out. I, I for one, tell you I shed a tear the moment that I found out the news. Because first thing I thought about, he left a long legacy. I was like, man, ain't be real. Because... I was looking forward to when he comes back, when he comes, what's next? It almost felt like somebody snatched something out of my spirit because when you're, when you're wrestling lifelong, you tie into these just a character to become a part of you. Mm-hmm. And so you're locked into everything that they do. So <clears throat> what man do you know? He had tribute in these, in all the way, in all, all in, in, in AEW. I'm talking about he never wrestled in. But yet they've been pouring out in, in honor of, and my, my, whole, my prayers go out to his family, go out to his wife, because Bray was, was a special guy. And it's hard to put in a past him because the dude was just next level. And even when he was wrestling against, you know, some of my faves, like John Cena, um, Braun Strowman, you know, I was I was also rooting for Bray because Bray was was a special type of character, and um, I'm just glad that I was locked in and as focused as I was because it's almost like I hear people talk about Elvis. If you got to see Bray Wyatt, it was in any part of anything he had anything to do with, especially when you felt that moment you realized he transitioned. Yeah, man, and um. You know, I had the privilege of meeting him at WrestleCon in Dallas a couple years ago, and it's funny because I remember I knew I was going to uh, I knew I was going to WrestleMania weekend. I was only I was actually originally only going to WrestleMania weekend two years ago to see Briscoes versus FTR, and um, then someone said, "Hey man, you should really try WrestleCon. You're a collector. You get autographs. Like that's the place you want to go if you want to get a lot of people, and and you can actually see who you actually want to get." Blah blah blah, because. Uh, he, they were just really encouraging me. And he said he would be there. I said, okay, cool. So I said, let me look it up. So I started looking it up. And maybe a couple of days after it, I got a notification. And he said, Bray was going to be there. So I said, all right, I got to go now. I got, I got, like him, him, I, me seeing him there, Bret Hart there, I was like, okay, I got to go now. So um, his line was ridiculously long. And I remember I was standing there talking to two guys. And we were all like, we all, I did, these are two completely different strangers. I didn't know them. And they were like, hey, man, do you mind if you shave our spot and uh, we want to go to some other arc? I said, yeah, go. That's that's what this is about. And I remember when he came, he couldn't have been nicer. He took time. He was talking to literally every single person. And and normally where people will be frustrated with that because they want to get in and move, like they seen that he was bringing joy to people, not just kids. Because I, I get it. A lot of times. As a, especially me being an adult collector, a lot of times people think that I'm trying to sell the product. I remember one time, this happened earlier this year, as a matter of fact, I had met, I can't remember her real name, but she plays, she's a voice actor for Poison Ivy on Batman the Animated Series. I met her, and she's about to sign my stuff, and before she signs it, she's like, 
uh, do you want me to personalize it? I was like, you don't have to, honestly. She was like, well, it's up to you because if you're going to... I said, no, this is strictly for me. And she was like, oh, okay. Do you mind if I personalize it? I was like, no, nah, I don't care. But I know that's that's the con- I know that's the misconception uh, about a lot of adult collectors that they're going to sell, sell their stuff. I'm, I'm sure my kids, whenever I have them, they're going to sell it when I die. But I'm never going to sell my stuff. But the point of it is, is that like he made everyone, whether it was an adult, whether it was a kid, teenager, whatever, he made everyone say, hey... This is why we're paying money for this autograph and for this full experience. You know, a lot of people don't want to give that. A lot of people just, for whatever reason, you know, that's, that's their thing. But as you said, I, I, I was lucky to meet him, got that autograph. I have it on my wall right now. I was also lucky to see him twice. I saw him at WrestleMania 30 in New Orleans uh, in one of the biggest mistakes in wrestling history, which has been acknowledged over and over. I also saw him at the Royal Rumble as the Fiend character um, in, in 2020, where he faced Brian Danielson in a great strap match. Um, and I will say, I'll say this about WrestleMania 30, the crowd only went dead twice. Once when the Undertaker lost his streak and the second time when John Cena beat the entire Wyatt family by himself, that was the only two times that crowd was quiet and me being able to see him use his creativity during the pandemic for that firehouse flyhouse match, uh, funhouse match. I remember seeing it and the first time I watched it, I just watched it again. I remember saying to myself, this is what this character can be. This is, it's, it wasn't, it was a match to a degree, but it was, it's just craziness. And it's like, uh, he's, he's like a psychological threat. Well, I think about the Fiend character in JT, and tell me what you think about this. I think about Anthony Hopkins and Hannibal. I think it's a psychological character that just can mess with your mind more so than your body, if that makes any sense. Yeah, man, it makes sense. And, and I just remember the first time I seen The Fiend, I was like, man, I've never seen a mask like that. Like, These masks were dope. This is really, really odd. <laughs> but I get it. People were still gravitating to the character. That part, like, you was really supposed to feel some type of way <laughs> about The Fiend. Man, they were cheering. I went back to a segment when he did the um, the thing with Alexa Bliss. It was one of them when he was coming back at the at the Randy and burnt him up. Mm-hmm. And man, people went crazy. Man, we pops up up out of there and gets a hold of Randy, and it's like marking out. But everything that Bray touched seemed magical because he was just that type of guy. And I think L.A. Knight put it first. And one of my favorite lines ever from Bray Wyatt was simply, "You see me." Mm. Man, I loved it, man. I mean, that was just the first time that I heard him live when I was at that show. And he said, I went crazy. It was just a real moment. I'll never forget, I'll never forget it, man. So um, um, I know we say, and we only got a part of it. I just think, you know, his family, he is in the house and who he was as, as a man and a father and a husband and a, and a brother and a son. I mean, <clears throat> what an amazing individual. And I'm just thankful for the person that we got to know, and, and and I can only imagine how dope he was um, outside of the ring, being who it was, and just seeing some of the images of him with his family. And, you know, those are the things you strive for as a man, um, just really a human being, just being an all-around, you know, person. It just no matter how, you know, your your impact, saying the word at times, thinking about when he showed back up the stream rules, and it had to be the worst-kept secret in history, but yet... <laughs> You would look and you was like, man, pay-per-view over, man, you mean what? He ain't coming back. And then, boom, lights go out. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And then he appears. The moment he takes the mask off, man, people just go crazy and wild. I can only imagine what it was like to me in the arena. When I when I turn my flashlight on on my phone, I don't just think about any ordinary person. I think about the Bray the Wyatt family moment, the Bray Wyatt effect. That's what it'll always mean. You know, it's funny because I I did watch that again too, and. It was the worst kept secret, but that's what they wanted. They wanted you to to, to follow the QR codes, and it was very as a very interactive moment. And I had I would have to think after he got fired in 2020, and after he was pretty much crapped on by people within the company, which WWE is known for doing. And I remember he had a lot of patience. I, I don't know who was in his ear. I don't know. Maybe he was listening to it. I don't know. But I remember. It, he had sent out a tweet, and the tweet said, oh, we've heard Bruce's take, now can't wait to hear mine. But he never said anything. And I remember I always thought that was very interesting, because I was like, huh, like he, he must be trying to go back, or he must be, or something's going on here. Because eventually, the bad-mouthing stopped. And then all of a sudden, we start getting these QR codes, Triple H takes over, blah, blah, blah. And then I think when he unmasked in the crap crowd, they went that if you're talking about a road warrior pop, that was a road warrior pop. If he ever, if you ever could hear one, I ha- I would have to think in his mind that was validation to say, hey, you didn't use me the, to the best of my abilities, you know. Hopefully not. now he still wasn't used to the best of his abilities in second run, uh, unfortunately. Um, I think I, I will say this for me being from a creative standpoint as well. I think it's always good to have someone ring you in because when you're so creative. Sometimes you're just throwing things out there, and and even if you know it's bad, the fact that you just you're, when you're creative, you want to see it though. Like, like me, when I record music, I want to hear it. I'm not saying I have to play it for the world. I just want to hear it to see, to see if it's actually that bad of an idea, right? But sometimes you don't need to hear. It. Sometimes if someone someone else is just sitting there saying, "Hey, man, this is a bad idea. You're wasting your time. Why waste your time?" You know. But I think a lot of times with him, and and Triple H even said this about his NXT run. He said, Bray is so creative, I had to ring him in several times. Hey, Bray, let's not let's let's not overdo this. Let's give them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. And and I think Triple H was the best mentor for Bray Wyatt, which which is upsetting why we won't get, you know, the best uh, or, or the rest of what we're supposed to see. But uh, I do feel for JoJo. I do feel for his four kids. And, that, and that's the biggest loss of it all is we have four young kids now that will have no father and um being raised solo which is hurt which is hurtful wwe is saying all the merchandise that bray wyatt will ever have in their in their span will go to the family uh reportedly they're going to do by right by the family so that's super cool i know tony khan has um given something to the family as well which is awesome um but his legacy and his uh he will he won't be forgotten you know, for sure. So my final words, I, I want to say about both men, just one, thank you for the memories. Thank you for uh, helping me with my creativity. Thank you for being the men you are, because it, it helps me go about every day with the mindset of not uh, of just doing, doing what I have to do to make sure that I'm happy and that everyone that's in my uh, in my in my circle it's happy as well, and I'm just being a good person. So I want to thank you for that. I want to thank you for just I'm I'm a I'm gonna never forget you guys. So, do you have any final thoughts, JT? 
Yeah, I just want to say this one thing. Ted Funk, thank you for being the wildest, craziest person that I never got to meet. Um, for all of your blood and gore and your labor and sacrifice, for setting this uh, an example of what you do when you put your passion ahead of selfishness. Thank you for being and uh, leaving that example. For Bray Wyatt, it's hard to believe, but I'll say this. That moment you had with The Undertaker, never have to wonder what the words were that was exchanged that, that particular moment. That moment will always stand in the annals of time is one of the greatest moments um, in history because it took someone that I watched give you your honor and kudos in a moment that y'all shared. It just kind of wraps it up with a bow. That moment, if anybody has watched it, even more so now because Bray Wyatt, way ahead of your time. The reason why people are, are just trying to figure it out, still paying homage to such a dope man, a dope individual, dope human being, that both your spirits will forever live on in the wrestling industry will forever be felt. That is your Wednesday show. That is, um, I see things a little differently myself with JT. This is one of my favorite episodes I've ever done. Probably one of the most important episodes I've ever done. Um, you know, it's really to me, I don't usually like using cliches and stuff, but man, Taryn, now, if you are at a job that you don't want to be at and you have other goals, go catch your dreams. Go catch your goals. I recently, I've been very private about it. I'm a very private person. I recently just made a move myself. Three months ago, um, Some I was presented, actually, uh, really quick, I was presented with an offer on March 28th of this year, and it was... In a town that I was like, I don't know if I want to go there. And I had a friend say, what else are you going to do? Isn't this what you've been working for? Isn't this what I see you writing those notepads for? You're a writer. You were born to be a writer. You got to go. You got to go. And I left. And um, I would encourage you guys to do the same thing. You know, just catch your dreams. Be, be the best you can be every day. That's hard because we don't live in a perfect world. But I tell you now. It's worth it. For JT, for Soul Chemical, I am out. Have a great day. Talk to you soon.